Let's pray as we begin the message today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to give us love and power and a sound mind. We thank you for bringing us together as your children that we can receive from you as a loving Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord, that you sustain us. As we sleep, you watch over us. As we wake, you go before us and protect us from behind. And we want to thank you, Lord, that we can surrender ourselves to you, that we can allow you to be in control, as we know that you have all wisdom, you have all strength, and you know the end from the beginning. So we just want to release our path to you, that you would direct us, help us to understand your way, your purpose, and your plan. Bless us as we look to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been doing a, se- a series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which are the characteristic of God that he wants to bring into our life. And uh, we read a passage today that uh, indicates uh, one of the things that God does is he gives us self-control. And so I want to encourage you to allow God to control your life. Um, I think all of us, we struggle sometimes with being a little bit out of control. Um, Some of you might remember that I was a scuba diver before I became a believer. And one time we were in the Bahamas, we were living on a sailboat. And uh, it's always an interesting thing when the sailboat is in the middle of the Gulf Stream because you feel a little bit out of control. The waves are coming. Uh, the Gulf Stream is pushing you, and for a time you can't see Florida, and you can't see the Bahamas. Well, uh, I was um, not really missing things from the United States, but some of the young um, teenagers that were on the trip with the owner of the scuba diving shop, as soon as we got toward the islands, they had to have a Coca-Cola, right? And uh, then... Uh, Another one that really wanted ice cream. And so when we came back, he treated us. He took us to this uh, place that was famous in Fort Lauderdale with these huge ice cream sundaes. And I remember we got off the boat, and one of the, one of the guys, he was like, are you still moving? <laughs> we had been off the boat for like uh, 10 days or something, and he still felt like it. It's called uh, disembarkment syndrome. It's where you still feel like you're moving, even though you're uh, on dry land. So um, the owner of the dive shop, he says, uh, get the big Sunday," And that thing came out. It was like huge. And my parents taught me, you know, whatever is before you have to finish it. You have to eat the whole thing. So I'm like struggling to eat the whole thing. And then I was wondering if I had disembarkment syndrome because I started to feel a little bit sick. And uh, I felt that I should have stopped. Right? I didn't know that if I kept going, I was going to make myself sick by eating so much ice cream. And some of you, you have this challenge periodically, right? You eat until you're comfortable, but then you're tempted to keep eating. And it reminds us that we all have challenges with self control. The passage that we're reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Most of us, we remember those. Uh, The last of the aspects in the list 
is actually self-control. And um, Paul, who wrote to the Galatians, he also wrote in other places, and sometimes he would use this term self-control to refer to physical discipline, and sometimes it would refer to spiritual discipline. And uh, some of you have probably been in races. Uh, those of you that are in the military, you know that you have certain time, right, to accomplish your task uh, when you're requalifying or making sure that you're physically fit. And you have to discipline yourself uh, to be able to see and accomplish your goal, right? If you're undisciplined, if you don't have self-control, you're not going to reach your goal. Um, Paul actually says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, right? Back in the days of the early Olympic competitions, uh, they didn't get a medal. They got a wreath in honor of winning the race. But it says they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. Meaning if we as believers are disciplined and we fulfill God's will, he is going to reward us. And a pastor, uh, he lives in Oregon. He used to always say, and I appreciate it so much. He said, how you live today affects your eternity, right? And so us fulfilling God's will, being in control of ourselves, it actually affects our eternity because Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth where a thief can break in and steal or where a moth can eat or uh, rust can destroy, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And uh, everyone who wants to achieve a goal um, has to exercise self-control. Uh, as believers, our, primarily, our primary goal is heaven. And if we're faithful and we exercise self-control on earth, then we're going to receive an everlasting reward. I think it's an amazing thing, right? Um, I grew up in a family that gave you motivation for doing good things, right? If you went out and raked all of the leaves and then helped to burn them back in the days when you still could burn leaves, uh, you would get some sort of reward, you know, an allowance or something special. But uh, Jesus, he grants us access into heaven, but also he wants to reward us for being faithful on earth. So the question is, do you exercise self-control? Uh, do you have areas of excess, meaning that you're out of balance, such as addictions or overeating, uh, anger that's expressed in a way that doesn't honor God? or unrestrained sexual desires. You know, are you out of balance? And if so, uh, today we're going to receive the broken bread and the cup. It's a time to remember that God can forgive us when we get out of balance, and he can bring us back under his authority, and we can use our lives for his glory. Uh, if you don't exercise self-control in the physical realm, it will affect you in the spiritual realm. There's a passage of scripture that indicates that God did not just make us a physical person with a body, but it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, may the God of peace himself sanctify you or set you apart as uh, being separate from things of the world, sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, 
that's the part of us that connects with God. Our soul, that's like our personality, how we express ourselves, and our body be preserved blameless at the day, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is also faithful who will do it. So it mentions the soul, the spirit, and the body. And if we get out of control in our body, like some of you have struggled with uh, sleep issues, right? You know that if you get behind in sleep, right, uh, it affects maybe you're more grumpy, um, maybe your mind is not as, an, as alert as normal, but also it can affect you spiritually, right? If you get behind on sleep, you start to read the Bible or you start to pray, and what happens? You find that you can sleep just at the wrong time. And so um, let's remember that us keeping our lives in balance in the physical realm also benefits us in the spiritual realm. God desires to work self-control in our lives, but if we ignore boundaries and we push past them, we're going to be grieving God's spirit. And there's a passage of scripture that Martha likes, and I like it as well, uh, from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, meaning no word that is going to do damage. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do you ever think about that? Like how you're speaking, is it encouraging person or is it discouraging them? Is it pointing out the good things um, or is it finding the small things that are wrong and focusing upon those? Paul says, don't speak with any way that is going to destroy other people, but speak in a way that would encourage them, that it would bring grace to the hearers. And then he says in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So if I speak in the wrong way, or if I'm out of boundaries uh, in how I'm living, I'm grieving God's Spirit in me. Because God wants to seal us by His Spirit for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, which is like a strong uh, level of anger, clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice or evil, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, uh, we've talked about some of these attributes, uh, being tender-hearted or being gentle, and I'm thankful for so many of you that express God's goodness, his gentleness. But it says, let the other things be put away and be kind. Uh, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. In the same way that we need self-control in our physical life, we also need self-control in our spiritual life. We read the passage, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So since we're born again, uh, we ask God to give us new spiritual life, and we're living in God's Spirit, we're also going to be experiencing victory in the area of self-control more day by day. Um, do you have victory in the area of self-control? No. How do you do on the highway? Uh, some people are not as good as others, right? Um, how do you do in stressful situations? Um, what happens when your expectation is not met, you know. Um, thankfully, 
Marta and I, for the last years, we've been in a good place in our marriage, but there were times that we were in a lot of stress, like living in Nigeria. Uh, I mentioned we were sleeping on the floor, uh, didn't have a refrigerator the whole time, and one time, uh, it was actually after a service, we were walking back, and we were walking on a dirt road, and Marta looked at me and she goes, why did you bring me here? <laughs> and I could understand, right, that emotion, like, uh, our goals weren't being accomplished as quickly as we thought they were. And uh, she struggled, and she let me know that I was involved in that struggle. And uh, sometimes we struggle, right, in having victory in regards to controlling ourselves. A lot of times it's our attitude, sometimes it's our words. But let's remember, God has not left us powerless. Can you repeat that in your mind or out loud? God has not left us powerless, right? Uh, we read this passage in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Uh, Jesus said that the gift of God is the Holy Spirit that he would give to us. And Paul says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Another translation says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I like that, right? If you have a sound mind, if you're reasoning well, then you're going to control your emotions, your attitudes, and your actions. And it says, uh, the Spirit God gave us, this is yet another translation, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Okay, So timid is like fearful, not wanting to take action. God's Spirit doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. One time... Uh, I can't remember the circumstance, but we understood late in the day that we were going to have some people come over for a meal after the service in Nigeria. So Marta says, honey, we don't have any meat. You know, she's a vegetarian in Nigeria. Uh, a lot of times they would sell meat without any refrigeration. And I'm not exaggerating. You would walk by the meat and there would be a little cloud of flies that would come up off of the meat. And... Um, she says, honey, we don't have any meat. So uh, it was already dark. And to get to the closest place that they had some frozen chicken, and that stuff was like about as tough as leather. Uh, I had to walk down in this area that there was a lot of night traffic. And people said, oh, you guys live over there? That's dangerous. I was like, during the day it's not. They're like, at night it is. And so, um, I was going to go and get the chicken, and Marta says, you're going to go on your own? I go, no, Jesus is going with me. <laughs> but as I was walking, I was walking like real secure and confident, but inside I was like, Lord, protect me. <laughs> and God hasn't given us a spirit that makes us timid, but he gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Um, this other translation says, power, love, and self-control. I've heard someone say that, like, someone took advantage of them and then blamed it on the devil, right? The devil made me do it. And there might be a certain truth to that, but in reality, we all control our own actions. 
and we will be accountable for our actions before God. And as believers, he wants us to control ourselves. Um, here's an interesting proverb. Um, let me just read the proverb. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So it's Proverb chapter 25, verse 28. A man that doesn't have self-control, and of course it's speaking of a person, not just a, a male, is like a city that's been broken into and a city that has been uh, overcome with war and no longer has walls to defend itself. So a city without walls and broken into is saying a city that is not secure, right? Uh, some of you have been in military conflicts and you know that the base has a secure perimeter, a border. And so if you lack self-control, you're like putting down that barrier that protects you. And I always think of it this way. A person without self-control is a person who loses the full protection of God, and then they open themselves up to spiritual attack, right? So, sure, God will forgive us if we sin, if we take advantage of His grace, but we don't see that we're opening ourselves up to spiritual attack, and we're allowing things to be weak in our life because we have not exercised self-control. And when you're in that role, you lose part of God's protection. Because you've grieved His Spirit, instead of having power to overcome, you're trusting in yourself. There's a difficult time that's coming. It's still in the future. Paul writes uh, at the end of his life about this time in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous, other translations say terrible times, will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, meaning they're speaking against God's character and his name, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. And some of us, we kind of feel like those are the days that we're living in, right? When you see the older lady in her car and someone run up, open the door and yank her out. Um, there was a woman that actually, she tried to grab a hold of the car, they drove away and she lost her arm. And you just think, what kind of people would treat you know, an older person like that? But it says here, in the last days, terrible times will come. People love themselves, they love money, they're proud, they're against God. They're unthankful, unholy. And then it says, without self-control, brutal despisers of good. Um, you know, I've been building relationships with the people at the come and go gas station across the street. Uh, some of them were there when a person got upset, took out a gun and shot and killed another person right in that gas station. Others were there. Uh, the manager, a few days ago, she said, pray for um, Virginia. She works nights, and the other day someone was just throwing the tables and the chairs around. And you think, where are we living? You know, that someone just comes into a gas station, and out of a silly argument, uh, they pull out a gun and they kill someone. It's around us, but we kind of protect our thoughts and think that it's not as close as it really is. 
it says they're going to be despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, uh, meaning that they're uh, self-focused and they're relying upon their own understanding and doing what they want. Haughty, that's like expressing pride and arrogance. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. I think that that's really common, isn't it? People want to act like they have a spiritual side, but they deny God's power. And in the passage that we read today, God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to give us power so that we control ourselves. But these people want to do what they want to do uh, in their own way, and they deny God and God's power. And it says, from such people turn away. So we share the gospel, but we don't make close friendships with people that are against God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And God wants to lead us in victory. I like this. Um, I was a pretty competitive person. Uh, some of you probably are as well. You like to win, and um, you like to do things well. Well, in Jesus, it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in victory in Christ Jesus. So we must continually submit our will to God and look for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Here's an interesting passage, and it's a passage that I want to look to as we start to prepare our heart to receive the broken bread and the cup. It's from James chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. And it's something that you should um, meditate upon, consider. It says, do you not know that friendship with the world, meaning the world system that is against God, is enmity, it's the same root that we get enemy, uh, it means that you put yourself against God. Do you not know that friendship with the world sets you against God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealously, right? So God's spirit is trying to purify us and he wants to separate us from the things of the world and the attractions of the world. It says, he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What do you want, right? God to resist you because you're doing things under your own strength or to give you grace. I definitely want his grace. Therefore, submit to God, meaning you put yourself under his authority. And some people say, I don't like this whole aspect of submitting. Well, if God is a good, loving father, which we know that he is, it's not hard, right? If someone wants the best for you, it's not hard. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, which reminds us of this process of approaching the Lord, that we need to be clean. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, because God not only sees us from the outside, he also sees us from the inside, you double-minded, right? So you might be able to fool some people some of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. And he knows our heart. So as we draw close to him, and that's the purpose of the broken bread, and the cup is to remember that we have access to the Father through the broken body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. It says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. There is forgiveness and cleansing for our failures. And most of us, if not all of us, we have at least one failure one time a week. Sometimes it's one time a day, right? Uh, I used to work in a job where uh, one of the guys, he was always cursing. Like he was every other word. If there was an adjective, it was one that I wouldn't repeat. That was how he spoke. And I worked in a job when we came back from Israel, and it was during the beginning of the coronavirus. We were installing fence. So it was a big security fence, and it was a big, big project. And the boss showed up, and there was a new guy on the job, and the boss wasn't happy with him. And so the concrete truck came, and it was pouring the concrete in, and you have to do things on time, and it wasn't working the right way. And so the boss said something kind of strong towards the new guy, and I kind of defended the new guy. So then what happened, right? The arrow came in my direction. And so um, I said, well, you know, if we gave better instructions to the concrete driver, we wouldn't overfill the hole for the post. And he says, I've been doing this for 30 years or something like that. You know, are you going to tell me how to give instructions now? I said, that's not my point. My point is, is that we're making more work for ourselves because the concrete drivers pouring a bunch of extra concrete on the ground and then he wanted us to get a wheelbarrow and bring it up to the next hole and we were all sweating. Obviously these things have to happen in summertime, right? Where you're feeling so much tension. So finally I said, you know, uh, we'll just do what you want, but you don't have to be upset. And he says, you always have to have the last word. I said, no, I don't. And then I realized that I just had to have the last word. <laughs> And so finally, I just decided, you know what, just be quiet. And it was a failure for my boss, because he was a believer, and it was a failure for me, because instead of de-escalating the situation, the situation kept going higher and higher in emotion. I felt so bad. I told Marta, and she goes, I think we need to pray for another job. <laughs> and uh, we did, and the Lord was happy. But some of us, you know, we're in those environments where you just don't have an easy escape. People are cursing, people are angry, but we can ask God to give us his power. We can remember that as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. I'm going to uh, finish this focus upon self-control, and I want to read a few verses from Psalm 103 as we begin the time of communion. But let's pray. And if you have anything that you feel like has caused your hands from the outside or your heart from the inside to feel a little bit defiled or dirty before God, uh, you can also bring those things before the Lord. He knows your failures and he's able to restore you. Lord, we need you. And as we come uh, to the time to receive the broken bread and the cup, prepare our hearts. Lord, some of us have said things that were too harsh this week. Some of us have acted in pride and self-interest. And some of us have hidden things that we still haven't sought your power for to allow you to free us from those hidden things. Lord, you see all things. You said that everything is naked and open before you, the one that we have to give an account to. Help us. We want to honor you. And as we come to the time that we receive the broken bread and the cup, 
Help us that we'll receive your touch and your healing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't have the verses up there, but I want to read a few verses from uh, Psalm 103, 103. It's a beautiful psalm talking about the Lord, his ability to heal us. It says in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So give praise to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And one of the main things that we profit from in our relationship with God is in verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, meaning your imperfections. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So God heals us. He forgives us our sin, but he also restores us. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And if you have failed, remember God is merciful. He's gracious. He doesn't uh, treat us harshly, but he gives us his grace and his forgiveness. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us meaning that he is going to correct us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west. And I remember a pastor one time saying, just think about Jesus' arms on the cross, right? As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. So if you're a guest today, or if you haven't received the broken bread and the cup, uh, if you confess Jesus as your Savior, you can receive with us. You don't have to be a member or um, have been baptized. If you believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day, you can receive with us. We'll pass the bread. Uh, each person will take a piece of bread and then we'll hold it. And then we'll ask him to bless the bread. And then we'll pass the cup and hold it and we'll pray and receive it together. So prepare your hearts. If there's anything that you need to pray and ask for forgiveness for, uh, you can do that. And then uh, Jeff, you can help and we'll go ahead and distribute the bread and the cup. We'll start with the bread. I think it's such a beautiful thing as we read earlier for as the heavens are high above the earth so great is his mercy towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us and we remember that night, uh, the Passover night, that Jesus took the bread, uh, which symbolized his broken body that was pierced, it was bruised. He broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And uh, let's pray and then we'll receive the broken bread together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus 
to be our Redeemer, to be the one to forgive us of our sins, to separate our sins as far as the East is from the West. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. And though you never sinned, you knew no sin, you took our sin upon yourself that we might receive your righteousness. And as we hold the broken piece of bread, we remember that you're the bread of life. And that through your death and your resurrection, you give us new spiritual life. Bless this bread. Forgive us of our sins. We receive this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. We can pass the cup. There's many beautiful passages that Isaiah the prophet writes as he speaks so many times about the coming of the Messiah. And one of the passages, he says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke those who oppress, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow, and then he says, come, let us consider, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And Jesus, he was pure, he was innocent, like pure wool or pure snow. But he took our sins upon himself. And the cup that we have reminds us that he gave his blood, his life for us. It says, he has borne our sorrows. We considered him to be the one who was stricken, struck by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so as he was beaten, he was bleeding. As he had the crown of thorns, he was bleeding. And we know that he did it to express how much he loves us. And so if you have failed, if you have forgotten what it is to surrender to the Lord and allow him to be in control, I just want to encourage you, ask him to cleanse you. He was wounded for our transgressions, the things that we did out of boundary. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And also, if you feel weak in your body or in your soul, you can look to the Lord and ask him to heal you in this time. Let's, as we hold the cup, 
pray and seek the Lord's forgiveness and healing. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you that you've given us the path to freedom, the path to forgiveness, and it came through the suffering of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that you would have mercy upon us. So many of us, uh, even day by day, considering our own failures, we need your strength, we need your spirit, and we need your forgiveness. As we hold this cup, we remember Jesus' blood that was shed for us. And we thank you that we can look to you and receive healing and forgiveness. Touch anyone who is sick or weak in their spirit and bring healing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a joy and an honor to draw close to the Lord together. Keep in this attitude that God hasn't left us in fear or with power, but he's given us power, love, and self-control. And as we sing this last song, let's remember that he's given us the victory, and we can go out of here in his victory and live life for his glory. Let's stand as we sing together.